Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. All right. Jake Carl's on the RiderFlex podcast. Hi, Jake. I love those glasses, man. I'm all about glasses. My whole theme in life has been funky glasses. So usually I wear my Willy Wonka glasses because, you know, chocolate factory Willy Wonka. Um, no, but today it's the green for you and uh, fired up. Uh, I'm excited to get into this, some deep conversation with you about, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly and some personal stuff as well. Uh, agreed, my friend. Um, so the glasses, yeah, now the Willy Wonka, are those the gold, are the gold ones? Are those uh, the, the, yeah, can I... <laughs> Hold on, let me let me let me put them on for a little show and tell, baby. Woo! <laughs> Actually, we're gonna wear these today. We're gonna wear these. We're gonna wear these. I like it, man. I like it. It actually says on your LinkedIn profile, "I am Willy Wonka." Well, it doesn't say exactly that, but kind of modern day Willy Wonka, baby. <laughs> probably man, my, to be honest. <laughs> I think uh, my wife, who also works on the RiderFlex team here, uh, she does some recruiting for us because our day job is a recruiting firm, but we have the podcast, right? And so she's always looking for interesting podcast guests. I think she found she found your profile. She's like, look at this guy. Look at this guy. We got to get this guy on the show. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm grateful for you giving me a voice and, and, and want to hear the story and tell your wife thank you. And I, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun session today. Then we're going to have Jake, give me some early life stuff, man. Give me the family, mom, dad, siblings. Go for it. Tell me. Yeah. Family of five, mother, father, uh, brother, and sister. I've always been the class clown. Um, you know, I was never good at school. Uh, I did love going to school. It was like a playground, like a, you know, a childhood, a childhood playground for me. I, it was my place to prank people, to, uh, you know, start some trouble, get on probation, have some fun, do horribly in school in terms of academia. Um, and yeah, so I was always the class clown and then growing up, you know, I, I watched a lot of entrepreneurs around me, uh, subconsciously just like, you know, see how, how, how it's possible to do anything. And I think that that was something that, you know, witnessing and watching, um, kind of gave me this idea that, you know, there, there, there dreams are possible. And it sounds so cheesy, but that I did see over time. And in the end, I ended up going to college university and I studied to be an actuary. And, and the reason why I did that was because, I only did that to prove to everybody that I was no longer the class clown, actually, that I, I was see. a serious person and that all I can right. get a job in investment banking or, you know, working insurance and doing all the mathematical modeling. And I hated it, man. I, <laughs> I I was struggling so much in college because I wasn't being authentic to who I actually am. When I was the class clown, I was authentic. And yeah. when I was doing this for everybody else, I was just doing it because society, in my opinion, pressures a lot of people to fit into a box. And, you know, that's the, that's the lifestyle I was going to was towards the herd and third year university. I decided to say, screw it. I was I'm like, out. I'm dropping out of yeah. this program. I, I, I applied to every investment bank. I applied to every insurance company in Canada and not one took me. I was like dressed the way I wanted to. I was unapologetically myself, but no one took me. And I think in that moment I was at home. I'll never forget. I was sitting on a couch at my parents' house and I was watching Shark Tank, as cheesy as it sounds. And I watched this individual on screen and he said, 
he was pitching his dream with such passion, energy, motivation, you know, just killing it in my opinion. And he had two mortgages on his house. He had kids. He had so many responsibilities. And me, I'm that loser sitting on the couch with no responsibilities. I'm living at home. I'm I, I I'm being I'm beating myself up trying to do this academic thing and become this investment banker. And it's just not me. And I was like, I'm in a mental prison. And this guy is has so much on his mind, but yet he looks so free and so happy and 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 mm -hmm. and motivated or inspired, let's call it. So that in that moment, I said to myself, I made a promise. And I was like, I'm going to try entrepreneurship, whether it works or not. Um, I'll find the idea, but I just want that freedom to uh, be me. Yeah. And that's when I started my first journey. And I had a fitness business, uh, outdoor fitness boot camps, and that did really well. And, and then I went into a college clothing company where I was selling clothing on campus, throwing parties, having the time of my life, like kind of like Van Wilder style. And that went bankrupt after two and a half years, lost 80,000. <laughs> And then oh. I went into business. Yeah, dude, it's been a journey, man. It's been an absolute journey. Were you a fitness guy, like super athletic and stuff then, I guess? Is that I can't see my biceps. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, you know what it was? While I was in college, so I wasn't great at the academics, right? So everyone else was propelling forward in academics. They're getting high grades. I was actually getting poor grades, like 60, let's call it, and barely passing. But what I was very good at was staying focused on fitness. Fitness allowed okay. me to like, Okay. strive in something. Like I was able to thrive in something and working out, I was seeing the results. I looked jacked. I was tight and fit. I looked like a fighter, UFC fighter. And um, so people were yeah. impressed with that, right? I see. So <clears throat> that's where I put my attention when I was in college instead okay. of the actual studying. Did you play a lot of sports in high school as well? Yeah, hockey. I played ice hockey. Uh, of course, that's right. Because you're from Canada. Are you in Montreal right now, by the way? I am in cold Montreal, negative 24. You? <laughs> minus 24 today oh my god well um let me ask you this your mom and dad i want to know were they strict were they were they casual like what well, talk to me about your childhood just a little bit and about your mom and dad and their personalities and styles because i want to see how that connects to you and and you know give me some details yeah so my dad is an entrepreneur and he's old school so he built a business on volume and and, and a lot of non-brand so focused on just volume margin low margin and just keep that flowing so an old school business of okay. import and export and i watched him build it from the ground up uh -huh. and i was inspired by that he worked very hard lived in different different countries you know had to you know travel to different countries for many months to the year okay. um so I saw what hustle looked like. And then All my right. mom was always this funky weirdo um, who was just an amazing mother and there to, you know, take care of us. And she always wanted us to, to go to school and do all this stuff. And, um, you know, growing up, she encouraged us to, you know, get into university and get a degree and all that stuff, the traditional stuff. She wanted her kids to like be a professional, actually, not an entrepreneur. And all of her kids, all of my dad and my mom's, like my siblings and I, we all became entrepreneurs, right? My brother's <laughs> in a toy business. He started his own toy business. Me and my sister are in this chocolate business together. Oh, and she's in it. Your sister's in the team. Yeah, she's my partner. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She's my partner. Uh, uh, and yeah, so I guess like it wasn't hmm. so much strict. They did always request hard work so like there was no okay. sitting and doing nothing so if yeah. i didn't go to school i had to get a job you know and i oh. had to work my ass off um there was no you know just 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 chill and do nothing type of mentality did you ever did you ever get in like do you ever have to call your dad from the sheriff's office or, or any no, no, arrest? i didn't have to call from the sheriff's office but like from schools and camps i got on probation and stuff um all that stuff i, I just i always want to be the class clown so like i was always pranking i wasn't harmful i was just i never yeah i wasn't disciplined yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, and okay. Hockey very... actually, hockey was an outlet for me to take uh, life. It was a serious focus for me to actually like 
you know, put time, energy, discipline too, which actually I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, my athleticism, you know, growing up has played a major effect in how to deal with pressure, how to work with the team, how to, um, you know, be very competitive, let's call it. Yeah. And I think that's a key factor in a lot of people's growing up is they should get into sports, competitive sports, because it teaches you a lot about, I think, no general doubt. life. Absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, clothing company, you said you lost 80,000. Give me the short version there. Was it just you? Did you have a co-founder? How, how did that come about and how'd you lose the 80 grand? So my other brother that was in the toy company was a silent partner, my silent co-founder in that business. Um, the reason why I lost 80,000 was not because of the brand not being cool or having hype. The brand actually had so much hype and energy and momentum, celebrities wearing it, football, NFL players wearing it, it was the whole thing. Yeah, really? the, I had the whole shebang, the bells and whistles. But what I didn't know how to do was operate the business. I was a horrible operator. I didn't know how to run the accounting. I didn't know how to do legal, the manufacturing of the clothing. So wow. everything just fell apart. And I I tried to do it all by myself. And that's a disaster in, in, in you know, a disaster in the make. And, and um, I ended up, you know, hustling that for two, two and a half years. And I've, eventually I was tired. I was exhausted. And um, I couldn't throw these parties, couldn't live on fraternity beds, you know, all this stuff. I didn't know how to operate. I needed an operating partner. <laughs> And um, so I closed that business and uh, that hurt the ego a little bit. And um, people were asking them. Yeah. What'd your brother do? What'd you, what'd your brother do? He went and got another job. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He built a, a toy company and board games and stuff like that. Oh, and oh, he, that's he right. Very well, he's a great, he's actually a great operator but that. He was doing that during. So like he didn't have much time to focus his operations on this other project that was with me. Right. And when my okay. sister, my brother approached me with this current business, Midday Squares, that we I, I co-founded, okay. they offered to be the engine of operations. They're ops. They love ops. And Who's they? Their brother and sister? My brother-in-law and sister, yeah. Brother-in-law so, and sister. So this is my, right. yeah, current, this is my current business that I'm currently living in yep. the last yep. four and a half years. And when I joined, the deal was they're going to handle ops and I'm going to handle the community brand and story and network. Perfect. Hype. Perfect. And that's what I'm good at. So I started playing to my strength and all my weaknesses and things started finally making sense. Okay. Now, so midday squares for the listeners, by the way, middaysquares.com. Um, so your sister had the idea. She yep. She's like, Hey, walk me through that. Walk me through that conversation a little bit. Yeah. Go for it. So she, she was making this product for a long time now. Um, and the reason why she was making it was because my brother-in-law, her husband um, was had an addiction to chocolate in the afternoon. He would eat the junk chocolate, unfortunately, the higher sugar, palm oil type of chocolate. And he would get these crashes and stomach aches and all this stuff. And she's like, I can make you an alternative that tastes absolutely delicious, but also uses real food ingredients so you don't feel shitty after having it. All right. So she, she's a foodie and she made this snack over time and it became a, a staple snack in their home where they were making it every day. And he was taking it to work, his company, he was sharing it. Everyone was loving it. And she was in fashion at the time. She had a fashion company. Oh, so she did. She, right. Yeah. She ended up closing that, losing, losing a bunch of money, closing that. And then the, he ended up selling out of his software company and they wanted to do something together. And food was the common denominator that they both loved. And huh. they didn't realize that this product was right in front of their faces, but my brother-in-law read a report one day from a, a larger conglomerate that said that real chocolate, so darker chocolate, was growing very fast year over year, and that vegan proteins, so plant-based proteins, were also on a tear due to their health benefits at the times. And he it just clicked and said, he's like, oh my God, your hobby snack that you're making me is a baby of these two massive category growth categories. I see. So the product market fit was there. 
And then they mm-hmm. started to develop the product with, they helped, they got the help of McGill University uh, here in Canada to help okay. with the commercialization. So like the proteins, the macros, the fibers, all that stuff. And then they came to me and they're like, we got this amazing product ready. We need someone to blow it up. And you're the I guy, you're about, the perfect, you're, you're perfect. I, you, you, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm the energizer bunny, the Mr. Hype man, you energy, woo. And uh, <laughs> no, my whole purpose in life is to make people feel something deeply and spread good vibes. So there's like, we need you to do that. You do you, we do the ops, and that's how it came together. Wow. Okay. And then uh, how's the, how'd that work? Are you like fifty percent owner? Did you have to buy in? Did they but, did they make you yeah, do sweat equity? Buy. How did they? How did they? Yeah. <laughs> we did a third, a third, a third. Um. Okay. So we each had to put in a certain amount of money, and after that, we you know we've done now we've diluted a little bit. Obviously, we have venture money in our company to to, uh, to speed up the growth. It's and and build this business faster and faster and faster. But at the beginning, it was just the three of us. And uh, we were in a little condo kitchen making these bars by hand. Really? And we would hand deliver them. We couldn't afford to ship right. them. So we'd hand deliver. And well, this is, before, this is before you had a co-packer or anything like that. Yeah. And we didn't even, we don't even use a co-packer. How do you like that? Because <laughs> we went to 26 to, once we had traction, like actual like hype and people were like yeah. buying this product. We then went to 26, the best bar manufacturers in North America and Europe. And each one said that we cannot scale your product because of the complexities of how to make this product. Really? So, so yeah, my sister went out and built a factory of the last three years, custom machinery with engineers here in Montreal, which was supported, debt financed by our government. And <laughs> now, now we can make, bro, every day, 45,000 bars come off the line every single day. And then Whoa. we have a capacity of 90,000 at full scale. And so, you own the land and the building and the manufacturing center. We unfortunately we didn't buy the building. We own the whole plant, but we don't we don't own the building. Okay. Are you doing anything for anybody else? Are you doing any like white no. labels? No. Okay. No, okay. we can't. We don't no. have the it would be a distraction. We don't have the time. All right. All right. And how many bars are you pumping out a day right now on average? Right now, every day forty-five thousand. Forty-five thousand. How many all right? How big is the company? How many employees? We're about sixty, including our entire manufacturing team. Really, about sixty. Okay, very good. And you have like a little corporate office there with the with the manufacturing yeah. plant. Yeah. Do you, yeah, yeah. Is that where yeah. you're at today, or are you at home? I'm today? sitting here right now. I'm actually in our podcast room, and in in front of me is all the, the cubicles there, and then some desks and all that stuff. <laughs> wow, I love it. You took some VC money. How much did you raise? Can you share? Yeah, we we've raised straight to about twenty million. Twenty million dollars. You and your sister sat across the table from some VC uh, companies and did a pitch and raised 20 minutes. Was that in one shot or you've had a couple of raises? Oh, no. We had like three separate rounds. One, The first round was like 2 million and like five and then like 10 and then another four. But the the idea was, no, my sister is fo- focused on like manufacturing and R&D. Um, okay. Me and my brother-in-law are like a very good tag team. My other partner are a very good tag team for raising money because we build this company out loud transparently. Like, you know, we share it on social media. We yeah. We share the good, the bad, the ugly. We're not having a hard time finding the people and we're very good at building relationships. So before we have to raise money, we have developed tremendous amounts of deep relationships with different types of family offices, venture funds, private equity, angel investors. So when the time comes, raising money from just a due diligence perspective is simple. They already know they like us. They either don't like us or like us. They like our vision. They know everything they need to know to have the intent to want to invest or not. So it's a lot easier and it's a strategy I think every company should have is like basically have a rainmaker. So I'm the rainmaker in my company, but basically someone that goes out there and builds all the relationships that is not based on business, but based on friendship. And then when the time's right, you send those relationships to the departments that need it. So whether that's retail, our retail team, our sales team will get the retail buyers. 
if it's our finance team, they'll get the the the, the finance investors. Or if it's our, you know, if it's our journalists, the media team will get the actual storytelling, the journalist relationship, right? So it's like, I just suck it all in. And then when the time's right, I pass it on. And I still stay really close friends with those people, not regarding business. Yes. Let me ask you this. Do you walk in just like you are yourself, your personality with the sunglasses to a VC and pitch? Yeah. Yeah. I walk in usually the beach shirt, sometimes no shirt. I come in my boom box. I dance. I kid you not because I realized my whole life when I wasn't being myself, I wasn't optimal. When I finally started being myself and unapologetic and, and really embracing it, great stuff started happening. Yes. People make fun of me. Yes. People judge. But once you lose that and stop worrying about that, your, your ceiling is unlimited. Your sky's the limit. Yes. You you ever, have, have you ever been kicked out? And if you see firms are like, just get, yeah, get out. Well, they'll just be like, no, they won't kick me out, but they'll just be like, we're not interested at all. And they just can't handle the energy and that momentum. Um, They find it's, it's, it's uh, gimmicky yeah. or like, you know, like not real, but yet it's actually authentic. Like if you actually get to know me on a personal level, you'll see I'm this way every day. Are you, are you that way at home? Yeah. Yeah. My fiance, you know, can't, she actually gets the calm side of me because I'm so exhausted, but <laughs> she, she knows that I'm that like showman all the time, you know, that's who I am. I enjoy it. This gives me life. It gives me energy, momentum, fun. And it's like caffeine. It's like natural caffeine for me. People but are at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you do finally, you do, you do hit a chair at home and you're like, okay, I just need to, I, yeah, just yeah. Need to... <laughs> no, I hit the chair and I actually just listen. So my fiance will tell me about everything about her and I, it's her time. Yeah. I, by the way, it's, it's great to learn how to listen to your to your partner, or your spouse, isn't it? It's magical what that can do. The most uh, important so, thing. So you're engaged. You're going to get married anytime soon? Hopefully in the next six months. I got engaged two months ago, oh. um, two and a half months ago. Right. It was a wild journey. Um, and we've been together four and a half years. And I think this is really important for any entrepreneurs listening to this this, this podcast. When you're in, when you're an entrepreneur and you dedicate your life to something, so like I've uh, four and a half years ago, I sat I sacrificed everything for this vision of building the next biggest chocolate company. Let's call it snacking company. I sacrificed friendships. I sacrificed time, free time. I sacrificed everything you know that 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 some people have the freedom, which is a great thing to have. And sometimes you know you you got to be a little selfish as an entrepreneur. And I told my fiance, this is when we first started dating. I said this journey is going to be really crazy ups really crazy downs. It's going to be depressed. My most depressing moments in my life. It's going to be the most exciting moments. I want you part of this, but I cannot give you the full 100% me. And I, I mean, my energy, my time, because I'm making a sacrifice and she got on board with that. And not, it's not for everybody that, and I, I, I have so much respect for her that she was able to do that because it was not always sunshine. Yeah. It's most of the time, not sunshine actually here in this company. It's actually <laughs> clouds a lot of the time. And it, you know, mentally I've gone through a crazy journey of a mental health of good, bad, ugly of like, like I said, like I've hit my most depressing moments. I've cried myself to sleep five, sorry, 25 times throughout this journey. I never did that before in my life. And, um, you know, it's been really, really hard pressure wise, you know, just being judged, like the judgment, people misunderstand you. They think you're crazy. They think you're out of your mind. How, you know what that feels like? It's embarrassing a little bit, you know? So she's been with me and then, you know, I want to spend the rest of my life there and she wants to spend the rest of my her life with me. And um, I think you need that strong partner in any of those journeys that you're going to go endeavor on. Um, you know, without that, I don't think I would be here today. Isn't it interesting how people will look at your profile, they'll see you, they'll see the brand, they may see a clip of you. And at first it's like, wow, fun, energetic, cool guy. Look at this, man. Life must be great. He must be awesome. Everything's perfect all the time. 
unless you've been an entrepreneur, you don't know. Like there, there are nights where you're crying yourself to sleep, or you're waking up at three a.m. walking around in the living room in a cold sweat, thinking, "Holy fuck, what are we going to do if this happens or that happens or whatever?" I mean, until you live it, you don't really fully understand. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I I tell my best friends, they're all doctors, lawyers, accountants. I love them to death. Don't get me wrong. But they're always like to me on like a Saturday and I'll, I'll be like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. at the factory. And they'll be like, why are you still there? Come out, come, come for dinner. I'll be like, yo, I can't. And they'll just be like, oh, baby, you're, you you got to take a break. You got to take it easy. And I'll just be like, okay. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's a, entrepreneurship is so difficult. It's like it is, you're bro. trying to accomplish something that's that's not been accomplished and whatever you're trying to do, right? So you're technically, the odds are stacked against you. And I'm not saying life's easy in any other field. It's, it's actually, every career is difficult, to be honest with you. But what I could tell you is when you're trying to do something that's never existed before, you know, the the pressure is so high. Yes. And it's all on yes. your shoulders. So- Especially especially after you take VC money and they're like, yep. and they're like, hey, uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's a treadmill. And that's why you need good partners, by the way. That's why when you go build partnerships, don't do it in a three-month span. Build it over three years when you need yes. that money. So you have friendships that actually, when it's bad times, they're not calling that phone and saying, hey, yo, where is this? What's going on? They're actually saying, hey, what are we doing to help you? Let's make this magic that's, together. Yeah, those are good phone calls. By the way, are you and your sister and brother-in-law combined together? Do you still have 51% or have you had to? have you been diluted past that with all the money? Yes, we we're we're around that we're around that percentage, but we have we actually have seventy like seven percent of the vote. So like we control, how much we so, own 77 percent of the vote. So together, vote. you and you, your yeah. sister and brother in law. Yeah. What yeah. I can't believe you still have that much control with all the money you've taken. Great job. Control, but we don't have all the percentage of ownership, right? So, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You separated it like class A, class B, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Great move. Okay, all right. This is an education piece for the listeners, just real quick. Would you mind? I don't know how much you want to share, but great move. You can set up your cap table for the listeners that may not know, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. You can set up your cap table and your ownership by division, class A, class B, whatever you want to call it. And you can you can actually give away units or a percentage of your company that are non-voting units, right? And and so you know they can they can put money in and gain ownership, but you're still voting day to day. Um, yeah. Exactly, exactly what I did with RiderFlex, by the way. Same thing. So you guys, good, yeah, good move. So we really believe that. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So we really believe that at the end of the day, um, it's not that we care if we build this business to the size that we truly believe we can get it over the next 10, 15 years. Believe it or not, um, then the the smaller percentage won't be a big deal. Um, as long as we can keep control of this company and the board control and the, the voting control, yes. we get to do what we want. And that's yes. the goal of this journey. It's not so much that if it's for an extra cup, let's say we sell the company and I'm saying big, and I really believe big, let's say we can get it to 500 to a billion dollars in terms of valuation. Yeah. Um, and, and that means let's say hundred to 200 million in revenue. Um, you know, for owning between 40 and 30% or 20 between the three of us, it doesn't make a big it, yeah. it's still a big difference, but it's not at the end of the day, if yeah. we were able to get there solely because we had control, that's what was important. Yeah, right. So, move. Yeah. So that's our goal, man. And I think that like, otherwise we wouldn't enjoy this journey. We are really you, not- the company is showing profitability right now. Or are you scaling yeah. and burning cash with growth or you're actually pumping out profits? Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, We're not, we're not pumping out profits yet. As of hopefully May or April this year, we'll be in the black. That's the goal. Okay. That being okay. said, there could be things that don't go right. 
Um, so yeah, we're not there, but the reason why we don't, we burn so much money is because we have a manufacturing plant. So building that whole thing up and getting that up is a disaster. But over time, our margin gets to a higher margin than most food companies can get to in our space. Mm, Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, for the listeners, give us the product breakdown. Cause a lot of people are listening to this going, I don't know what midday squares are. Give us, give us, give us the pitch, Jake, go for it. Imagine. Here's the easiest way to explain it. Imagine we took a, a dark chocolate bar, so a real dark chocolate bar with real foods and made a baby with a protein bar, but we got rid of the junk and protein bar. So the artificial flavors, the aftertaste, the uh, the additives. So it's a chocolate bar that has the functions like a protein bar, but with real foods. And um, we call it a functional chocolate bar. And it lives in the refrigerated section of the store. Um, so if you're going to Target, you'll see it. it's in the refrigerator in the produce section. And it was really made for your afternoon. So like when you're craving that chocolate at 2 p.m., but you want something that will also carry you over, keep you full, but feeling good, that's what we made it for. We made it to make your afternoon better. A lot of the snacks out there we felt were targeting either morning time or pre-post workouts or afternoon. But the problem with those afternoon snacks is you eat them and you get tired after. You'd be hungry in 10 minutes. So Mm. we said, we need to sustain your, your hunger, keep you full, but also give you something that's a treat in terms of indulgence. Mm, mm, mm. how many skews how many flavors give us an idea of how you know the, the lineup so we have four skews we just launched our fourth one last week uh last month we have our original which is a brownie batter dark chocolate brownie um our second one is an almond crunch um kind of like a crunchier almond chocolate flavor then peanut butter is our peanut butter is a third one this is like a healthier reese it's actually our number one selling skew right now by a lot mm. Um, mm. and then we have our newest flavor, which is cookie dough chocolate, which right now I believe will be our number one. It just needs its data to come through, but it tastes exactly like raw cookie dough, but it's not raw. Um, it tastes exactly like that, but with clean ingredients and real food. So, um, again, really there to make your afternoon better with, with delicious snacks that are functional. And where are you? Uh, what, what stores are you in? Can you buy online? Can you buy on Amazon? Yeah. How can, how can consumers get the product? So if you're in the if you're in the U.S. the United States of America, you go to Target, you go to Whole Foods, you go to Sprouts, you go to Wegmans, Fresh Market, Fresh Time, any of those stores. Um, it's always located in the refrigerated section. If you're in Canada, uh, Walmart Canada, uh, Sobeys, Metro, Whole Foods, a bunch of other stores here, and then it's available always on our website www.middaysquares.com. We ship within three days from our website, or Amazon has it as well. And again, always keep the product in the fridge refrigerator. It's fresh. How are you no- shipping it? How does Amazon, how do you guys ship it direct to my house and keep it from melting? Do you ship it in like a we, cooler box or? Yeah, it's insulated with usually a resealable, reusable ice pack. Obviously in the winter months, it's fine. In the summer, we really load it with the reusable ice packs. But for us, um, the bars could be outside the fridge for five days, no problem. I see. Okay. So wholesale to grocery stores is the bulk of your business, obviously, because you're 75%, selling- 75%, yeah. 75 75%. 75%. Okay, very good. You went, how come, how come you're not in Walmart U.S.? Just curious. We're, so we're built. So we built Target first. We had to learn the logistics game, and that it's a lot of volume, right? So right now we're we're in talks with Walmart to potentially do end of year this year. Um, they'd be a very meaningful partner in Canada. We do very well with them. Um, they're a lot smaller in Canada. It's four hundred stores um, oh. max, which is a big difference. Um, that being said, you know, for us, we are we started in like the Whole Foods of the world, but that's not our like that's a great place to be. Um, for building a brand and 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 creating for a great product for those customers, but in the end, we want to be a chocolate bar that's that's available for everybody in the world. And what I mean by that is for a reasonable price point that everyone can afford and get the distribution for. So you know, Target, Walmart are great accounts for us because 
they give that distribution to everyone around the United States that can go within mm-hmm. a five, five miles of getting a product. And um, yeah, I think people are looking even more in those grocery stores. We're seeing more and more consumers looking for better for you products that still give them the indulgence, but are at a reasonable price point. Are you, are people buying a box which comes with single packets or are people grabbing a single or both? So both we're, we're actually, we're seeing a mix of both loyal customers are grabbing boxes. They love them. Um, and then otherwise we're seeing people buy two at a time. So one, maybe two flavors at a time or, or, or two of the same flavor. We're uh, hoping to get that to about three every time you purchase. So we can work on like, you know, how structuring that, or maybe a four pack down the line that will be created. And what about like in seven elevens or, or whatever, like convenience stores where they can grab a single one. That would be the last uh, journey that we do is the convenience stores. We're not ready for that. It's a logistics nightmare. It's very difficult. Um, that being said, 7-Eleven is a great store. Uh, we love their the, what they do and all that stuff. So we eventually want to be in those those accounts, but not for another couple. I'd say another two, three years. Why is the why why are the logistics tough there? Because you can't ship in mass quantity or what, how come? It's what? just managing it all. It's really difficult. It's it's mm-hmm. it's not the same game as just going to like a grocery store. So we're not ready for that at all. Um, you need a whole team basically dead to see stores in our opinion. Um, uh, we're a fresh product. Remember, we have a short shelf life, right? So we have a 90 to 120 day shelf life in the refrigerator. So uh, you need to be able to have everything moving quickly. And uh, we're just not there yet. All right. You have, have you had calls from Target and Walmart where they're like, hey, man, come get this. It didn't sell. It's, it's I need a credit. Oh. I need a credit. No, we're doing very well with Target. I think we're number two in the category right now. Um, you know, things are moving really well. Um, we love them as a partner. They're they're super, super amazing. They answer the phones. They are they are really collaborative. Some retailers are not collaborative, and that hurts the business so much because you know, when there's a problem, nothing gets solved. Yeah. Uh I have experience selling to Walmart wholesale myself back in another life. Um, I know from I know that. If you get in bed too far with one retailer and you're not diversified enough, it can get scary, right? Because if you got a bunch of volume with one retailer, they start pushing you around a little bit. Are you guys can be yeah, careful? No. Yeah, we're very we're very careful. Um before before, yeah, like before we get involved with them, we, we know what we need um and how to work with them. We don't just go anywhere. We're very strategic on on distribution channels. How? Because we need, we're still not a large company in terms of resources and energy and time. So we need the direct focus and can't just go in and win. Right. So, um, you know, when we go to a partnership, we want to support, um, and it's very hard to support, um, if you don't have the budgets or you have the people or the relationship. Are you the man closing the deals? Are you the one, are you the one closing the deals with the buyers? Or you got somebody doing that for you? Yeah. So, for for us, it's a really unique situation. So because I go build the relationships with the actual retailers and friendships, I basically started off and then I send that over to our sales team to actually close the promo planning, the paperwork, the actual distribution channel, how we get the product to them, the logistics of building that, right? It's very difficult. And sometimes our brokers will help with some introdu- introductions, but otherwise... I just go make the friendships, man. You got to go out there and show up. I get on planes. I flew 114 times last year just to go to meetings, to show up. And you, would you, would you, have you been to Bentonville, Arkansas to try to pitch to Walmart there? Yeah. And we, we actually had a great, um, we had a great experience, uh, uh, with them. They're good people. We have not pitched them. Actually, we formally just hung out with, we, we informally hung out with some of them and, uh, yeah, like we, we we like them. We like. I mean, if you show if them. you if you show up in Bentonville with your outfit and your character, people are gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna be like, what, what, who is this guy? 
Yeah, they're going to be like, this guy's a whack job. But no, they see us on social media. They see us on LinkedIn, on all this stuff. So like Instagram. So they already know the energy and momentum vibe. Because a lot of these people okay. are realizing they're finding brands on these channels. Okay, let's talk about your character for a minute. Have you thought about doing something with this character and brand that you're building of you? I mean, it could mm -hmm. be it could be like a YouTube channel. It could be a reality TV show. It could be you could do. You, I mean, you're doing a great job with it on social media already. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just like, have you thought about taking that further in some way? I, I, I don't know. But it's you've built this character, uh, if you will, that I think people are attracted to. Um, have you thought about doing something else with it? I would down the line. I think, uh, over time I'm going to, I potentially want to go into broadcasting down the line. Like as we build this business, you know, we get success over time. Sorry, there's a lot of noise in my office. Um, once we build that, I, I believe I can go into other things. Um, you know, yeah. my, I'm not a chocolatier for life. Um, I love the business. I love CPG, but you know, there's so much more, maybe even politics, Canadian politics, because seriously, seriously. yeah. I need yeah, to fix well, some things here. What's the first thing you'd fix? I get a lot more business, a lot of more business support for small businesses. Small businesses are the um the actual largest um employer of all employee all of employment in Canada. The support is not great, so Ooh. I would uh, work on that and building that uh, a strong program because we need more we need more businesses winning in Canada on the global stage and exporting. We're not. Mm. We're importing too much. Mm, hey man, you, you know what? You would you could probably run and be successful. I would love that. <laughs> uh, maybe one day. My goal is first build this business. Hopefully, get this business to a billion dollars in terms of uh, size. Is that what? Okay, uh, it's, it's as far as valuation or revenue. Billion valuation. dollars valuation. Yeah. Okay, a uh, billion dollar. You're gonna have to have more SKUs to get to billion dollar valuation, yeah. right? Yeah, global <laughs> presence, global presence as well. So the goal is is to really build this brand as, as a modern day chocolate company. Like we want to be the ones where you think of the, a new version of a chocolate bar being this. Have you thought about doing that? Maybe this is wacky, but uh, with your character and the fact that you guys own your own facility, have you thought about doing Willy Wonka tours where people come in and experience the whole thing? Yeah, just not like a Willy Wonka, but yeah, like it would be, uh, we, we have some of our buyers come in, our investors come in for tours, some customers that we really are, that are loyal. Um, so we already do it to a certain extent. It's not the same size as the factory. One day we will have these mega plants, um, yeah. but yeah, we'll make that. It will be an entertainment factor thing for sure. 100%. I mean, that's, that's really my whole point is this, the whole entertainment side of what you're building, I think is attractive to a large degree. You, the whole entertainment thing, I think people would be attracted to that. I'm curious when you go into a sales meeting at your little conference room there at the facility, do you, do you go just like you are? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you got to see me, man. I, I'm on, I'm unapologetic and people either love it or hate it. It's like Elon Musk. People either love that guy or hate him. Um, yeah. you know, but the people that love will do anything. People that hate, well, they're not, they're not supposed to be there anyways. Well, I mean, they know who you are when they interview for the job, right? I mean, they know what they're getting into when they go, when they sign up to go to work there. Yeah. And, uh, it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be open-minded to work for, to work, to work for Jake. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. I can assure you that it's just a bit wacky and a little weird. Let me, let me ask you this as we wrap up you, your sister and brother-in-law, you ever, I'm sure you get into it from time. I'm sure there's been like, Oh yeah. We just got into it right before this, this podcast. Literally <laughs> 10 minutes before I get on with, I got on the phone with you. It was a huge heated session, but we have a therapist that we see once a week. Are you serious? 
Are you yeah, serious? Therapists together. Yeah, yeah. To work on our communication and understand each other and building, um, you know, building our partnership stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, what do you guys argue about the most? Well, what's the main topic you argue about? It's just sometimes just like things that are going on in the business. It's more like, okay, like maybe not being aligned on this and how do we get aligned? And then sometimes it's a lot of time we're overtired and that exhaustion's kicking in with another emotion. And then that, that takes it out and we got to get through that, work that through. And, um, you know, it's a lot of the time, again, we all were very committed to the, the building of this business, but also building of this partnership strength. Do you ever, do you ever feel like, Hey, they're their husband and wife team, right? So they're kind of teaming up against you. <laughs> sometimes they really do that now you know i think at the beginning it was a little bit more now it's not like that because the therapy it works oh that's good i mean hey all right very good any last uh minute uh advice uh, i know we could do a whole show on the question i'm about to ask you but if there's aspiring entrepreneurs listening what what two or three things do you want to kind of wrap up with and tell them Number one, tell your story every day. Shout about it. Um, you know, don't be shy. Your stories might not seem interesting to you because you live it twenty four seven, but it's interesting to other people that don't know it, which is super cool. It's relatable. Second thing is get comfortable with zones of discomfort. Every time I've gone into these uncomfortable zones in life, something has something outlier has come out of it. So whether it's good or bad, it's just not in the middle. So it's great. Um, in my you either learn from something that, that that was bad, or you actually win big on something that's outlier on the other side. And then the third thing is, is, is use the force of momentum forward direction, because once you're going, it is powerful. It is extremely powerful. Um, and I think it's one of humans greatest assets that they have, that we have as a society that yet none of us really utilize properly. Mm. Jake, thank you very much for being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story and talking about midday squares, middaysquares.com for everybody. Appreciate it, sir. And congratulations on everything you guys have built so far. Dude, I appreciate you giving us a voice. Thank you for even supporting. You're a rock star. Loved your energy. And let's just make magic, baby. Woo! <laughs>